He said he would come back to her. Drylanders always lie. Shiraz's mind darted endlessly between the two thoughts, like the little silver fish she and her sisters had played with as children, imprisoning them between two hands to laugh at their anguished twisting. The thoughtless cruelty of her child self pained her now. Far above her, the ocean's underside, was a green glass ceiling shot with light, constantly shattering and remaking itself. Occasionally, the black shapes of boats soared overhead, drylanders hurrying off on their unimaginable errands. They're always hurrying, she had asked him once. Where is it you hurry to? He had looked at her for a long time, thinking of his answer. His eyes fascinated Shirasa. They were blue and white altogether, not like the green, golden, slit-pupiled eyes of the myrrh. His were much more expressive. He could laugh with his eyes, or shout at her, or give her love. That was why the old songs warned against drylanders. Look at their eyes once, the singer said, and they'll snare you. They had been right. We hurry because of things that are important to us, or that seem important. It's hard to say in words you'll understand. He was wary of the gift of mind-speaking, which came so naturally to the Myrrh and the other old races. When Shirasa had mind-spoke to him the first time, his jaw had dropped in shock. When his mind unthinkingly answered hers, he looked horrified. It was, he told her, like suddenly finding yourself naked before a stranger, which had no meaning to Shirasa. But then, neither could she understand what a software engineer was or a beach resort. She could not fathom the web of events that had led him to pilot a motorboat, alone and late at night, into uncharted waters. Something about an argument with a woman. She understood that much. But what was hammered out of my mind? What was bourbon? But Shirasa did not share his fear of the unknown. After all, no matter how many strange drylander words and ideas his mind threw at her, she had the memory of their first meeting. Nothing could change that. She had come upon him swimming frantically from the rock that had claimed his boat, trying to make it to the island that would become theirs. She had hung in the water a safe distance away, watching him as she had so many other unfortunate drylanders, and there had been many through the long ages, sailors and passengers on doomed boats. Shirasa often wondered what drove the creatures to the water. It was not an element they had a natural affinity for. When exhaustion had finally claimed him, and he began sinking, she had almost swum away, bored. But their eyes had met, his white, blue, black eyes had widened at the sight of her. Even then, she might have escaped, but he became hers in that moment. She knew she could not leave him then. Shirasa was slight in build, but strong as only a seaborn thing is strong. She had taken him in her arms and carried him to the island's lagoon, pushing him as far into the shallows as she dared. That had been the previous year of his imprisonment, as he called it. 
Shirasa remembered how he would rage on the beach, shouting at no one. She would float in the lagoon, watching him, helpless to follow. He used to look at her strangely then, as she might look at some monster from the lower depths. It pained her. More than once, she had turned her back on him in anger, flipping her tail dismissively as she dove. But she always came back to him, with armloads of crab and fish and tasty seaweeds. He would accept them silently, and spearing a fish on a sharpened stick, sit over his ever-burning fire. He would burn the fish until its flesh fell from its bones. Only then would he eat it. Slowly, he grew used to her. More and more often, Shirasa saw desire in his eyes, rather than horror. It amused her, and also brought an answering tingle in her own lower parts. Myrrh and Drylanders were known to mate on occasion, but most of those matings had taken place long ago, before the old races had grown wary of their perverse younger cousins. Still, it had been many long ages since Shirasa had taken a lover. It pleased her sometimes to let her Drylander join her in the lagoon in hot days. They would frolic together like children, she swimming in circles around him, laughing her silent laugh as he tried to catch her. Finally, she would let him and lie in his arms, smiling as he stroked her. So beautiful, he would think, gazing at her and smoothing her blue-black hair down against her scalp. How did you get such beautiful eyes? That pleased her, perhaps more than she expected. Her body was warm and receptive, as much so as the body of any Drylander woman. Yet even with the sleek curve of her lower body pressing against his stiffness, it was her eyes that held him. She would mouth laughter at him, pushing at his hands until he released her. Then she would play at trying to pull him under the water until his hands became insistent. She would swim off then, flashing him a smile over one shoulder. One day she allowed him to catch her. He caught her wrists and held them and pressed his mouth to hers. She knew about this Drylander custom, but she had never experienced it before. The pleasure of it startled her. She found herself returning the kiss and excited when he would not release her hands. Let me love you. The gentleness of the thought didn't hide the urgency behind it. He wanted her. You have another female, she reminded him, more to see what his answer would be than from any desire that he release her. No more. I have you now. Only you. Drylanders always lie, her mind sighed. But she felt her tail winding part way around his legs, pulling his body to hers and encouraging him to enter her. They joined there in the water, Drylander and Myrrh, whispering and clutching at each other. Promises were made. Shirasa did not take them very seriously, either those made to her or the ones she gasped in return. A Drylander's life is short, after all. When they broke apart, she pulled him back to the shallows and left him, though not before lavishing kisses on him. 
Still, that day marked a change. Now when she came, he met her with flowers, bright orchids gathered from the island's jungles. They pleased her. She would plait them into her hair and smile at her reflection in the still water of the lagoon. The two of them made love many times, and there was no more talk of the woman he had left behind. But Sharassa knew his old lover was still alive, somewhere in the Drylander's world. That troubled her. So long as he remembered her, there was a chance he would one day leave her. Sharassa knew he would grow old and die in any case, while she remained much as she was now. But the thought of his old love drove her increasingly to fits of anger, so that she would stay away from their island for days at a time. In the end, she always returned to his flowers and embraces, but as sweet as her life was now, there was a bitterness that had not been there before. She sought out her sister for advice. Atasha was old and very wise, but Sharasa already knew the answer she would be given. Hanging in the water, green gold eyes regarding her impassively, Atasha's mind said, If you truly want this Drylander, there must be a singing. The myrrh seldom use their voices, except for singing. Their songs contain their history, their other poetry, and also their deepest magic. The elders of the myrrh sing to work changes in the patterns of waves, to call fish to them, and to amuse the great whales. They also sing to resolve matters of heartache. The song Atasha proposed was an old one that would give her sisters pain to the sea and ask its help. Whatever needed to be done, whatever changes needed to be wrought, the sea would work to effect. Sharasa nodded. Once the song was sung, there would be no way to undo it. The life of a sea-born thing is constant change. She is at the mercy of the tides, but for the first time in her life, Sharasa thought of change and was afraid. That evening, a school of myrrh elders, beautiful and very strong, met in the lagoon. They smiled with white teeth and glowing green eyes at Sharasa's drylander. He hung back at first, but when Sharasa swam to the shallows and extended her hand, he splashed out among them. The elders joined hands and surrounded the two lovers, beginning Sharasa's song with a low, throaty growl that rose slowly to notes of unimaginable sweetness. They sang without words, but the song moved Sharasa more than the most eloquent mind-speaking. Her drylander looked confused at first, but soon his face relaxed as the song moved through him. He held Sharasa in strong, fervent arms, rocked her with the rhythms of the surrounding water until the song had finished and the elders gone. That night was the first Shirasa did not leave him. She spent the night asleep in his embrace. Whatever happens now, she thought, whatever changes are made by my song, I will greet them with joy. But the next morning, she awoke alone in the shallows. She saw a sight that stabbed her heart, 
a white drylander ship some distance from their island, and much worse, a small boat with her drylander as a passenger, slowly making its way to the ship. Sharassa swum out as close as she dared. Why? Her mind was frantic, enraged. Why are you leaving me? I'll be back, he answered. I promise I'll come back. Sharassa heard anguish in his thoughts, but an eagerness as well, an eagerness that had nothing to do with her. He wants to return to his own world, to his own people. Perhaps this is the necessary change the song brought. It should have comforted her, but Sharassa wept and did not stop weeping all that day. And now, like a fool, she had returned to the waters off their island, as she had every morning since that day, waiting to see if he would honor his promise. Drylanders always lie. She would not come again, she told herself. She would leave for another ocean and never return. Better to live alone, even without her sisters, than to live pitied and drifting. You waited. You're here. The mind that spoke out to her out of the silence was full of joy. It was a mind she knew like her own, but not one she should have heard down here. Sharassa turned and saw him coming to her. Then she truly saw the change her song had wrought. Her lover was a drylander no longer. His eyes glowed entirely blue now, blue with slit pupils. And what propelled him through the water was not a set of muscled legs, but a gleaming silver-green tail like her own. He smiled at her as he took her in his arms. It happened the first time I swam, he told her. He laughed with his eyes. You should have seen the look on that bitch's face. I wish you could have seen it, but I had to say goodbye to her. I had to say goodbye to my world. Do you understand? Do you love me? She did. She did, and she told him so the rest of that day, while the ocean rocked them and sang them in its endless, ever-changing song.